0: 2 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority, daring, self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Whereas angels, who are greater in might and power, do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed, suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong. They count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime, their stains and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions as they carouse with you. Having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he received a rebuke for his own transgression, for a dumb donkey, speaking with the voice of a man, restrained the madness of the prophet. I was reading this passage and I try to practice what I teach. I try to teach my students to learn how to read what they have just read. Frequently, the words of Scripture hit our minds, but the thoughts behind the words elude us, go right past us. And one day, as I was reading this passage, I realized what the Word of God was saying. It was saying, Balaam was crazy. Balaam was insane. Would you look at that please again? In verse 16, he received a rebuke for his transgression. A dumb donkey, speaking with the voice of a man, restrained the madness of the prophet. Now, madness, insanity is a great tragedy. I had a friend of mine one day call me and said, you're going to have to come and take my classes for me. I said, why? He said, I feel so strange. My mind is dividing into two parts. I feel one part of my mind going one direction and the other. I am losing my mind. And he was. Within a few months, his mind had become completely deranged. He lost all powers of rational thought. And in one moment, he killed himself. A very fine preacher, a godly teacher. Insanity. What a tragedy. And yet the Bible says Balaam was insane. Now, that intrigued me. So I turned to the book of Numbers, chapter 22. And I'll ask you to do the same, please. The book of Numbers, chapters 22 through 24. And this morning, I would like for you to look with me at the life of Balaam. And examine with me the madness of the prophet. Now, while you're turning here, I want you to fix this one thought in your mind. Remember this and never forget it. That the one who knows the will of God and refuses to do it is insane. Listen to this. The one who knows the will of God and refuses to do it is insane. Now, should you forget all else that I say here this morning, and having taught college for a number of years, I realize there is a good likelihood that that will be true. I want you to remember this one phrase, emblazing it in your mind and in your heart and in your actions, that the one who knows the will of God and refuses to do it is insane. Why was Balaam insane? Let me start with a section in chapter 22 of the book of Numbers. The sons of Israel journeyed and camped in the plains of Moab beyond the Jordan opposing Jericho. Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. So Moab was in great fear because of the people, for they were numerous. Moab was in dread of the sons of Israel. And Moab said to the elders of Midian, This horde will lick us up, all that is around us, as the ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of Moab at that time. So he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor at Pethor, which is near the river, and the land of the sons of his people to call him, saying, A people came out of Egypt. They cover the surface of the land. They are living opposite me. Now, therefore, please come, curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I'm able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed. And he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the fees for divination in their hand. And they came unto Balaam and repeated Balak's words to him. And he said to them, Spend the night here and I will bring word back to you as the Lord may speak to me. And the leaders of Moab stayed with Balaam. As soon as I read this passage, I said, Peter was right. Balaam is crazy. Balaam was insane for even considering prostituting the office of God for the offer of gold. Balak and his people were open. They were clear. There was no deception about this. They are honorable in their intent. They are in trouble. Balaam is known as a prophet, and he is known as a prophet of God. For the one that he blesses is blessed, and the one whom he curses is cursed. That indicates that God somehow worked through this man Balaam. I cannot explain it. I do not attempt to explain it. I simply know that what he said was the word of God. Therefore, Balak said, You are a good man to have. Let me buy you off. What a tragedy that we see in this section. And this tells us the first step in Balaam's insanity. Second Peter chapter 2 told us, That he was greedy for reward. He loved money. This does not say Balaam was a a lascivious, sinful man in the sense of the lust of the flesh or anything of that nature. He may not have loved unrighteousness, but he loved what it gave to him. He liked the money he made from this. And so Balaam was crazy for even considering prostituting the office of God for the offer of gold. When I read that, I think of Moses. The book of Hebrews lifts up Moses, one of the great heroes of the faith. And in Hebrews 11:26, 26, it tells about Moses. He considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure of Egypt. Now, listen to this. Have any of you ever said, I wouldn't do that for all the money in the world? And then stop and think how stupid that is the thing that you're considering doing, no one would give you a dime for it, much less all the money in the world. (laughs) We have a crazy way of thinking, haven't we? No one has ever been in position to offer all the money in the world to anyone for anything except Pharaoh. Go back to the story of Joseph. Joseph taken into captivity, sold by his own brothers, yet through the power of God, God revealed to Joseph his will, and he revealed the future of Egypt. And because of the visions that Joseph was able to interpret of his seven bad years, good years, followed by seven bad years, he was able to manipulate. And you read the story. First, the Pharaoh got all the money from the people. And not only from the people of Egypt, but there was famine throughout the whole East, And all the nations poured all their money into Egypt. In those seven bad years. So that Egypt had all the money of the world. And if you read this story carefully, it did not go into the coffers of Egypt. It went to Pharaoh. In essence, Pharaoh, because of the work of Joseph, had all the money in the world. The same line was there just a couple of generations later, when the people of Israel were being persecuted. The Pharaoh rose who did not know Joseph But the people of Israel were being persecuted, made slaves. Moses, through the grace of God, was taken as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was being groomed to be Pharaoh, to have a high position in Egypt. All he had to do was say, I am an Egyptian, I am not an Israeli. That's all he had to do. Instead, when the time came, Moses looked At all the wealth of Egypt, he looked at all the money in the world, literally, not figuratively, and said, I choose to suffer with the people of God rather than to have all the wealth of the world. The one person who said, I wouldn't do that for all the money in the world and had it offered to him. Now, may I ask you something? What are you considering doing with the work that God has given to you? You know, it's amazing. God has endowed so many of you students of great abilities, great talents, great energy and desires. You have the ability to do. That's why you're in college to develop this. And yet, some of you right now are selling out for other things. Position. Oh, I don't mean great lofty position. Very few of us in this room, if any, will ever be offered great positions. But it's amazing how the smallest position causes people to give away the thing they hold dearest so they can rise in the esteem of others. Popularity. This is your damaging point. You're afraid to do right because you won't be popular. You're afraid to take a stand with some of your friends who are asking you to do the things that you should not do. And you're afraid because, after all, I won't be popular. You are crazy if you consider selling out God and consider selling out the work God has called you to do just because of what you can get out of it. What a tragedy. This is so wrong in the light of the price that was paid for our redemption. Marvelous passage, 1 Peter 1.18, You are not redeemed with corruptible things, perishable things like silver and gold but with precious blood as of lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. What a ransom. In the 16th century, the Spanish conquistadores under Francisco Pizarro came down into South America looking for gold. They went into the land of the Incas and found only scattered little coins here and there, nothing of silver and gold. The fame, wealth, and the gold did not exist as far as they were concerned. They finally arrived at Cusco, the capital of the Incas. The proud chief Atahualpa was the king of the empire. They imprisoned him and were going to slaughter him as they had slaughtered so many others. Atahualpa remembered that he was a king and without his leadership, the people would be helpless in the face of the Spaniards. And despite his pride and despite his lack of fear, he offered the Spaniards a very fair trade. He went before Pizarro and said, "You spare my life, and I will fill the room we're in this high with gold." The Spaniards burst into laughter. This is hysterical. We haven't seen any gold. Atahualpa was furious that they had laughed at him, and he said, "And I will fill the next room to that height with silver." They began to stop laughing, and they agreed. You bring us that gold and your life will be spared. Atawalpa sent the message. And throughout all the land of the Incas, the people went into their storage and hoards and into their temples and into the places where they had hidden their money. They scraped the gold and silver off their idols and images. And within just a few weeks, Atawalpa's promise was fulfilled. The room was filled with gold. The next one was filled with silver. When it was melted down, in the coin of that day, not current numbers, that day, the amount was worth over $35 million in gold alone. The most incredible ransom history has ever known in value of dollars. Treacherously, the Spaniards killed Atahualpa. Only they were kind to him. They choked him to death instead of burning him alive. What a tragedy we see here. The most expensive ransom in history had proved entirely ineffective. There was a day, though, when another word went out. Word went out through heaven that men were imprisoned by the power of sin and that unless they were ransomed, they would be doomed to an eternal damnation. And therefore, God stripped heaven of its greatest treasure, Jesus Christ, his most personal love, Son, and sent him on this earth to die on the cross of Calvary and to shed his blood. Ah, oh, my friend, we were not redeemed with those corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Atahualpa's ransom proved worthless, but everyone who receives the redemption of Christ is ransomed completely. The error of Balaam for reward. The man who knows the will of God and refuses to do it is insane. Balaam was crazy. Balaam was insane further. Let's read a little bit further. After verse 7. After we have read here, they went to the Midian and, and he came to them and said, Spend the night here. I'll bring back word to you as the Lord may speak to me. And the leaders of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? Balaam said to God, Balak the son of Zippor, and he gives the word that Balak asked, verse 12, and God said to Balaam, Do not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam arose in the morning and said to Balak's leaders, Go back your land, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. At this point, I wish I could stop reading. Had this story stopped here, we would look at Balaam as one of the great heroes of faith of the Old Testament. Offered vast rewards, and he said, God said this, I cannot go against God, I will not do it. But the story does not stop. Warning, taking the right stand in the will of God for your life one time isn't sufficient. It must be a settled attitude of heart. Here we go with Balaam. Watch this. Balak sent more leaders, more numerous and more distinguished. Therefore he said, let nothing, I beg you, hinder you from coming. I will indeed honor you richly. And I will do whatever you say. Please come and curse this people for me. And here we think Balaam is a true man. Oh, what a powerful man of God. Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not do anything, either small or great, Contrary to the command of the Lord, my God, I am going to take God's word. No, no, no. Next verse. But stay this night and I'll find out what else the Lord will say to me. Balaam is insane for attempting to move the immutable God. The will of God has been revealed. The scriptures are clear. My friends, when scriptures are clear... There is no further need to pray about it. When the will of God says, do this, you don't go say, oh Lord, should I really do this? When the word of God says, don't do this, don't pray about it. I am telling you that it is insanity to try to change God's will on a matter. Do not go, says God, they are cursed. The people of Midian are cursed. My people are blessed. Please do not confuse perseverance with presumption. Perseverance is when we're praying something we know is in the will of God. And we continue to pray and continue to pray. Presumption is contrary to the will of God. Listen, praying does not make a matter right. I don't care how much you pray on a matter. If it is against the word of God, it's wrong. I'm speaking this morning to some who are making decisions when the word of God says, don't get unequally yoked with unbelievers. Oh, but he's so sweet. He's so nice. Or she is so talented. Uh, She is. (laughs) And you pray about all the things and you say, oh, Lord, please let this be your will, please. Answer, God says, don't. I don't care how much you've prayed about it. If God says don't, you don't. The man who tries to change the will of God when the word of God is clear is crazy. You don't change God. Let me continue with Balaam a little bit further. Verse 20 and 21. God came to Balaam at night and said, The men have come to call you. Rise up and go with them. But only the word I say you shall do. Now the implication is this. If they call you in the morning, then get up and go. Read verse 21. So Balaam arose in the morning. Guess who the first one up in the morning was. Let me tell you something, friends. He is pretending to do the will of God. Listen to this. Because the men said, come and go with us. And they took for granted. If Balaam said, all right, the Lord said I could go. That meant God was going to bless. I want you to observe once again the men of Balak are honest men. They have integrity. They have not tried to be deceitful. They are paying for a profit. That's a normal thing to do in that day. And they think this is a profit of God. Look what it does to the work of God for Balaam to pretend to go along and say, Oh, gentlemen, I prayed all night and now God said I could go with you. Pretending to do the will of God is a deceitful thing. It will destroy you. It will destroy everyone around you. What a terrible thing. This is insanity. Balaam went along. These men now feel, all right, things are okay. First Kings 13. There's a tragic story there. God gave a prophet a message to deliver. He went to the kingdom of the north. He was a man of God. And he went to Jeroboam and cursed the altar Jeroboam was on. Many of you know this story. Jeroboam reached out to grab the prophet. Jeroboam's arm was paralyzed. And he realized, this is a man of God. I can't touch the man of God. And he said, please pray for me. And the man of God prayed for him. And Jeroboam's arm was restored. But the prophecy was given. God had told this man of God, you go one way, you come back another. Do not. Repeat, do not come back the same way that you went. The story of the man of God was told to a person who was called an old prophet there in verse 11. The old prophet heard about this. He said, I've always wanted to meet a real man of God. We don't know what kind of a prophet this man was. Apparently, he was one of those who simply knew enough of the word of God to teach others. But he said, I've always wanted to meet one of these guys that could do that. So he sent his sons out. And he said, I can't come. The sons reported to the father and he said, I'll go see him. And he ran out and caught up with him. And he said, an angel of the Lord told me to change your message. Come back and spend the night with me. The prophet is so eager that he lies in the name of God. He pretends that it's God's will. The man of God, forgetting God said, don't do it deceived by man said, I know God's will. He just spoke to me personally, went back. And as soon as he did, the old prophet was empowered by God and said, you shouldn't have followed me. You're going to die for this. And as soon as they parted, the lions came and destroyed the man of God. The old man who was a prophet regretted it and buried him in his own tomb. Watch. He lied about the will of God. You had better be careful saying, I know this is the will of God. When you know you're doing contrary to the word of God. I have talked to people that say, well, I know what God's word says. But this is what we're going to do. Because after all, it seems good to us in this situation. You are crazy. If you pretend to do the will of God, you will destroy yourself and destroy others. The one who knows the will of God and refuses to do it is insane. We follow Balaam as he goes down. And there, in Numbers chapter 22, he's on his way now. We read in verse 22, God was angry. You disobey God and pretend that you're doing God's will, God gets angry. God sent his angel down, and the angel of the Lord stood in the way against him, a sword in his hand. And we find one of the most remarkable stories in the whole Bible. For the donkey that was there, saw the angel of the Lord. What a remarkable thing. A donkey has more spiritual sight than a prophet. And the donkey sees the angel. And the donkey stops, and Balaam kicks the donkey. They go further. The angel stands in the narrow way, and the poor animal sees the angel again and crushes Balaam's foot against the side. Balaam screams at him. And finally, the animal just falls down in the presence of the angel of God. And Balaam said, I wish I had a sword in my hand. I'd kill you. Start in verse 28. The Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you've made a mockery of me. If you, if there had been a sword man, I would have killed you. The donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all your life this day? Have I ever been accustomed to do so to you? And he said, no. I like the King James here. The King James reads in this fashion. Have I ever been wont to do thus to you? And he said, nay. <laughs> The donkey preaching and the prophet (laughs) neighing. Balaam was insane for not recognizing the seriousness of the situation. May I point something out? You set yourself obstinately against the will of God. Pretend that you're doing the will of God. Say, I've prayed about it. And you're going to so convince yourself you won't even recognize it when a dumb animal starts talking back to you. Can you imagine what a bystander would thought coming along hearing this donkey and the prophet having a conversation? They would say, he's crazy. They were right. God said, the dumb animal speaking with the voice of a man rebuked him. Balaam was insane for not realizing the seriousness of the situation by the speaking of a beast. And then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. This, again, is so remarkable. Here God can work with an animal faster than he can with a prophet. He had to open the eyes of the donkey first, and then he opened the eyes of Balaam. All of a sudden, Balaam realizes, oh, there may be something wrong here. Listen to the speech. Verse 32. The angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out as an adversary. Your way was contrary to me. But the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, I would surely have killed you just now and let her live. And Balaam said to the angel, Lord, I have sinned. I didn't know you were standing in the way against me. Now then, listen to these words. If it's displeasing to you, I'll turn back, Balaam. Whatever gave you the idea it was displeasing? Just because God had said, "Don't go, don't go," I don't want you to go, and just because God sent an angel to kill you, you get the general idea that might be displeasing to God. I'm telling you, friends, you listen carefully. You set yourself stubbornly against the will of God right now in your youth. And the path of your life will be of such a nature that you will go through any obstacle that God puts in your way, not able to see that God is rebuking you. You will hear everything and say, oh, I didn't realize this is displeasing to God. Don't be crazy like Balaam. Therefore, Balaam is crazy. Why? Why? He pretended a half-hearted repentance. Notice, please, Balaam doesn't say, oh God, I've sinned. You said don't go and I tried to convince you and I know it's wrong. Please forgive me. There is no real repentance. This reminds me of another person. Simon the sorcerer in the book of Acts chapter 8. Simon saw the apostles performing miracles and dispensing the gifts of the Spirit by the laying on of hands. And he went to him and said, oh, give me this power. I'll buy it from you. Peter turned to him and in one of the remarkable statements of Scripture, literally said, "Into perdition with you and your money. And the regular word for perdition we use frequently as profanity. But that's exactly what Peter told him to do with his money, take it with him. You have no part or lot in this. And listen to Simon. He said, oh, 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 please, I'm sorry. But pray God that none of these things will come upon me. He repented of the consequences of a sin. He never repented of a sin. Balaam repented of the consequences. He didn't want to die. Therefore, he said, okay, I'll turn around and go back. I want you to catch this because sometimes you're going to find yourself in a situation if you continue resisting God. We find an interesting thing. God says, oh, no, Balaam. No, no. You said you were going to do it against my word. You said you wanted to do it and you're going to do it. Now God forces him to go forward. Verse 35, the angel Lord said, oh, no, you can't turn back. Go with the men. But I am going to arrange circumstances that you're going to say what I want you to say in spite of what you plan to do. I'll point out, Balaam never planned anything but damage and destruction for Israel. I'll show you how we know that even later. He did not plan just to go along. He deliberately intended to destroy Israel. The money was good. I'll do it for that. God said, you're going. You're going to stay there. and You're going to reap the consequences of it. Continue the story. Balaam goes, verse 38, I've come now to you. Am I able to speak anything at all? The word that God puts in my mouth, that I shall speak. Let me point out one more thing here. Balaam was crazy for thinking he could gain prestige with men and retain the power of God. Balaam already had the power of God. I know whom you bless is blessed, the one you curse is cursed. And Balaam now already has the power of God, But he wants to trade that for the prestige of man. He really wants to hold on to both. And you're crazy if you think you can keep the power of God and gain favor with man. You be careful of a man of God who has everybody in the world speaking well of him. He's had to sell something to get it. Watch this. Balaam went on. Now, he makes a boast, verse 38... I can't speak anything at all. The word that God puts in my mouth, that I shall speak. So what does he do? Balaam says, I know the way you play the game. God is pleased with sacrifices of oxen and sheep. And God always has had things offered in high places. Well, look where he took Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. So they went into a high place where they could see the people of Israel. And he knew exactly what to do. Look in verse, 20, uh, one of, uh, verse 1 of chapter 23. Seven altars, seven bulls, and seven rams. Seven is God's holy number. And he said, ah, God can't resist rams. He can't resist bullocks. And seven is his number. And I am going to have seven of those right here. He veils the altar... And offers a sacrifice. And now God is going to hear Balaam. That's what he thinks. Verse 3 of chapter 23. Stand before your burnt off- beside your burnt offering. And I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to me and show me what I will tell you. You stand by the burnt offering. God will see. Here's the guy that offered. He's a good guy. And he'll come and help you. God met Balaam. I think Balaam was a little surprised. And he said, Balaam said to God, I built the seven altars. I've offered a bull and ram. Okay, God says, Balaam, you return and you speak. And he starts to speak to his amazement. Look at verse 8. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? Verse 10. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the upright and let my end be like his. Look at this blessing of God upon the people of Israel. And Balaam is carried away and says, Let me die the death of the righteous. Balaam, in order to die the death of the upright, you have to live the life of the upright. There are many people who want the death of the righteous, but don't want to live the right life. Balaam was crazy. He thought he could have the power of God and retain the prestige of man. Now that God's power is manifest, Balaam is tired of him. Verse 11, What have you done to me? I told you to curse my enemies. You have actually blessed them. Again, he goes to curse the people. And again, God sends a blessing. Look at this in in verse 13. He's only going to see the end of them. And he comes back. Verse 17. And Balak says, what has God spoken? Verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son that he should repent. He is not going to do this. Whom he has blessed I cannot revoke. Verse 25, don't curse them or bless them. Don't say anything. Now Balaam is forced to say, didn't I tell you God makes me speak? Finally, in verse uh, chapter 24, verse 1, when it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go at other times to seek omens. And listen to this prophecy that he comes up with. I'm going to go to the end of chapter 24, verse 17. I want you to hear this. Right in the midst of a man trying to violate the will of God and trying to decurse the people of God, God makes him speak blessings on Israel. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Jacob. A scepter shall rise from Israel. Hear the prophecy of the star of Messiah. Right in the midst of this. God's power is known in spite of a false prophet. Now let me point this out. Sometimes you are obstinately refusing to do the will of God. You are put in a situation where everyone realizes now you are wrong and yet God is going to work a blessing through it. Now hold on to that. It's not a thing to rejoice over. It's a thing to be sad over. We go to the end of the story of Balaam. The last part of chapter 24. Verse 25, Balaam arose and departed, and returned to his place, and Balak also went his way. Verse 1 of chapter 25, while Israel remained at Shittim, the people began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab. Balaam is insane for thinking he can pervert the people of God and escape the punishment of God. Look at these two verses together. They are not accidental. Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, clarifies this for us quickly. In the letter to the church, God said this, You have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. Balaam was angry with God. God was keeping him from doing what he wanted to do. God had kept him from getting the reward that Balaam so desperately wanted. And Balaam said, all right, God, I can't give up prophecy and destroy your people, but I'm going to do it anyway. And he told Balaam, Balak, God is a holy God. He cannot bless a corrupt people. Now send all of your women into the camp of Israel and let them have the men have their way with them and God will curse Israel. God did. 24,000 people of Israel were destroyed in a plague because of the sins. If you'll read the rest of chapter 25, you'll see this. Balaam, you haven't got away with it. You think you have. Balaam was crazy for thinking of that. Let me continue. One final look at Balaam. Numbers 31, verse 8. They killed the kings of Midian along with the rest of their slain, Avi and Rachem and Zur, and Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian, they also killed Balaam, the son of Beor, with a sword. God said, I've had enough. Kill it. Even after all this, there's some people that will say, oh, but look at the results. A wonderful prophecy. It was worth it. What are the real results? Israel became polluted and plagued. 24,000 died in the plague. Balaam, expelled from his prophetic office, he is executed by divine decree. He is execrated every further expression of his existence in the Bible. Nothing good is ever said about Balaam, a man who is insane. The man, the woman, who knows the will of God and refuses to do it is crazy. Shall we pray? Help us, Heavenly Father, to realize that the only true sanity, the only true way of life is obedience. Father, your word speaks to us. Help us to obey it. Help us not to be like Balaam and continue asking for things that we know are contrary to your word. Help us not to be like Balaam and pray over things that we know are wrong. Help us not to be like Balaam and pretend to others that we're doing the will of God, knowing that we're not. Oh, Lord, how we want these students today to be wise men and not be mad. To be in their right mind and not to be out of their minds. We pray, Father, that we will listen to your word and that we will obey.